Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Antoine Deul, a Dutch national, is a global project manager and staff scientist who has lived in the United States for 12 years and has worked and is working on sustainability projects in many countries. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Today is Monday, February 11th, and for this second episode of the Culture Matters podcast, I've got a very well, special guest. I'm not really sure. Of course, every guest is special, and this one is maybe particularly special because we actually know each other, or we knew each other, and then we lost sight of each other, and now we're sort of back in touch, albeit uh, only on Skype and in two different countries. Welcome, Antoine. Hi, uh, Chris. Thank How you very how are you doing? I'm I'm fine. Excellent, excellent. Um, welcome to this uh, this second episode of uh, the Culture Matters podcast, um, where we would like to interview real people with real stories, and um, uh, you are a real person, and I know that in person because actually we spent a couple of years in uh, in our high school and a couple of uh, of these classes we did together. So we go back years. It seems like hundreds of years already. Um, but then sort of we both moved our own way. You went your way, I went my way. And then tell us a little bit about yourself. How, what did your way look like? Yeah, first of all, Chris, uh, I'm very delighted to uh, get back uh, in touch with you. Thank um, you. So it's very interesting, you know, to sit together after so many years. So basically after, you know, our, our ways split up after high school, um, you know, I went to university and I tried uh, many different things at a university, uh-huh. but eventually I settled on um, getting an, uh, a master degrees in chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. And after um, I finished university, I got a, a job offer to go and work for a, a large international company mm-hmm. in the US. In the so, US. In the U.S., okay. in the U.S. of A., so in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was around 30 years old and, you know, I, 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 I could not have been more happy at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, the opportunity to go to uh, a different country and, you know, travel and, and get some news, new experiences, etc. I can imagine. Um, and, but and from which country are you or where did you come from or are you from? Okay, uh, I was born uh, in Suriname, in Paramaribo, mm. and that's a country in uh, South America, mm-hmm. close to uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. And actually, Suriname was a former colony of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And when I was like four years old, the whole family, so me and uh, my brothers and sisters and my parents, we moved to the Netherlands mm-hmm. because my, my father... He uh, went to study uh, economy at the University of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So the whole family moved to the Netherlands. And so I basically grew up in, in the Netherlands, in uh, Amsterdam. Okay. Um, and then at, uh, when you were 30, you got this job offer and you moved to the States. 
Yes. Okay. But before we, we, we talk about your adventure in the U.S., uh, which and I believe it's in the Chicago area. That's what I at least read on your, uh, your LinkedIn profile. That, that, that's correct. I, I lived in the western suburbs of uh, Chicago. Okay. I've, I've only touched down on the, on the airport and never been actually been in the city, nor the, the state of Illinois either. So. It's a great city. It's a, the windy city. That's the only thing I know about, um, about Chicago. It's also great in the summer. It, it's it's uh, excellent. Okay. A cold winters, right? Very cold winters. Yeah, okay. Very cold. Uh, okay, but we're, we're, we're off on a tangent here because I, I, I wanted to know a little bit. Um, uh, so you were born in Suriname, um, which is, which is in, uh, in South America. You, when you're four years old, you moved to the Netherlands. Um, and so and then we met as well. We spent years and years together doing this high school thing that we tried to complete and eventually completed. <laughs> um, and so currently... I mean, we're about the same age, and and what age? What what do you? What is your culture? What do you think your culture is currently? How, how, do you call yourself Dutch, um, half American, Suriname Dutch America? What, how do you? How would you describe your culture? You know, let, let me. You know, it's it's kind of difficult to say. Um, if I look back uh, at my life, okay, I was born in Suriname. Mm-hmm. My uh, father uh, was from, let's say, African descent. Mm -hmm. My mother, uh, she was half Chinese because my uh, grandfather, Mm -hmm. he was uh, Chinese and he moved from China to Suriname, where he met my uh, grandmother and then uh, my mother was born out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have many different influences. Um, like I said, I was, bo- I was born in, in, in Suriname and then I moved to the Netherlands where I basically grew up. Mm-hmm. So I'm absolutely uh, part uh, Dutch uh, and I'm also a Dutch citizen. Mm-hmm. also lived for 12 years in the United States. Yeah. So also the United States kind of became uh, part of me and kind of became my home country as well. So I basically consider myself basically, you know, a, a citizen of the world. Mm-hmm. But um, but still, you know, Amsterdam. I grew up there. It that, that that's my home city. That's just okay. And and do you still live there now? No, no. Right now, I'm living in uh, Sutermeer. Yeah. So it's like uh, probably like thirty thirty miles from Amsterdam. Okay, thirty miles south of Amsterdam. Yes. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, to the for the listeners, um, if you want to, uh, if you're curious what this multicultural person Antoine looks like. Got a picture of him on the website. Go to culturematters.com, search somewhere under podcast, and you can actually look at him um, and observe the multicultural uh, phenomenon there. Yes, uh, a good thing guy, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, 30 years old, uh, you get this job offer as, uh, I would say, a Dutchman or somebody, an Amsterdammer, as we would say, um, and you move to the States. What happens to you when you touch ground there, when you land? What's the, the, the biggest cultural well, culture shock you, you've gone through when you moved from, the, from Amsterdam or the Netherlands to the U.S.? You, you know, it's, uh, the U.S., it, it's, it's a really different country. Mm-hmm. Um, my first experience, you know, uh, coming out of the, uh, the airport were the big limousines, you know, the, the, the glamour, the glitter, uh-huh. 
the activity. Yeah. And, and that, that was the first thing that, 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 that struck me, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want to call it a culture shock, but uh, I think it was a positive thing. And, and um, so that, that's my first experience with the U.S. So getting, did, you, did you have that kind of realization that you, when you touched down and you walked out of the terminal and you saw these big limousines, it's like, oh, man, it's true. Everything is big here. You know, it, it's like, like you're entering in a movie, you yeah. know? You, you've seen all the movies on the TV, you know, the, the, the yellow caps, the, the police cars, the police in their uniform, the big uh, limos and things like that. Yeah. And it's kind of your, you know, entering that world. So it, it was very fascinating. Fascinating and positive. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what was, uh, um, how would I say, because most people actually do go to cult through a sort of form of culture shock, and typically that's that's between six and nine months. Have you have you gone through any any feeling of, of culture shock? And usually, culture shock is um, something that that people label as as negative. Uh, essentially, it it is, um, but in the end of a culture shock, you actually start to adapt and adopt to a new culture. Did you go through a culture shock, Antoine? You know, um, maybe it's me, but the culture the culture shock came actually when I returned to the Netherlands mm-hmm. after 12 years in the U.S. How Netherlands changed. But, you know, getting back to your question, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just you know, smoothly rolled in, in, into the, the way of life in, in U.S. Of course, things were different mm-hmm. and, and some things were, were funny that I had to get used to. But in general, when I look back at the 12 years that I spent there, it's what, it was like I had, I had a, you know, a long vacation. Oh, really? You know? Like I was in, uh, how do you call it? Uh, you know, in a fantasy land. It, it, it was fantastic. You know, the housing we had and, and mm. the job I had, the, mm. the, the, you know, took me all over the world. Yeah. And of course, there were things were different. Yeah. You know, the stores were different. The many choices you have in the stores, that, that's just incredible. If you want to buy, let, let's say, cornflakes, you know, you have 20 choices. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here in the Netherlands, you know, you have two or three choices. And also the, the scale of things, you know, the, the, the stores were huge and the variety of the, the, the products, uh, etc. It's enormous, huh? It, it's enormous. Yeah. It, it's a lot of stuff to take in, but, you know, I experienced, experienced it very positive. Yeah. Excellent. Is, is there's, so you would say um, you did not have any, like, pain experience uh, when you lived your 12 years in the U.S.? No, me personally not. But it, it might be different. For example, if, if you have a spouse mm-hmm. or children yeah. that that um, you know go with you and, and, and live in a different country, that that might be different. You know, they they might go through uh, you know some some culture shock because you know for me work is work. You know, whether I work here in the office in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. Netherlands or if I work in the office in the USA. I mean, you have colleagues, you have the same job you have yep. to do. Yeah. So that that will kind of easily smooth the, the transition. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you have a professional culture around you. It's uh, um, You don't notice the cultural differences maybe that much. No, exactly. And, and uh, the company I worked for was a very international company. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of foreigners working for that company as well. And it, it, it was the headquarters yeah. I was working at. So I, I think that also helps helps a bit. 
Okay. Yes. And then you said your culture shock actually came when you came back to the Netherlands. Tell us a little bit more about that. What was the, the biggest thing that struck you as a Dutchman going to the U.S., spending there 12 years and coming back to this little tiny country we have? You know, it's it's uh, the the surface you have in in the U.S. It is great. Yeah. You know? um, the the people are always friendly, and that comes because because it's a surface country. People are raised uh, like that. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the stores. You 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 have a twenty four hour economy. Um, also, you have a lot of space, and when you get back you know in in uh, in the Netherlands you know everything is is little hmm. um, it's always cloudy it's raining <laughs> people are not friendly you sound like a true dutchman nagging and nagging yeah so it, it, it's like a whole different uh, experience yeah so you you could you could maybe almost say that you had your culture shock when not going to the US but coming back from the US Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I uh, you could say that I, I did experience it that way. And then, and then also, could that also have been a moment that when you you realized you had a culture of your own? Yes, I think that that's a very uh, uh, good remark. Um, Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Yes. Okay, excellent. Um, so, coming back from the states, you um, you don't uh, no longer work for that company anymore, I presume. No, 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 no. I, I work for the same company, but now I work um, at our European headquarters in, in Leiden, here in, in the Netherlands. Okay, that's close to uh, to where you live. What? Can, tell us some some uh, pains and joys you have in um, in your intercultural, international experience working with different cultures, either American or Chinese or Indian or German, uh, for that matter. Yeah, so I basically, uh, for my work, I traveled all over the world. Yep. Uh, I went to a lot of countries in Asia. Mm -hmm. For example, I, I went to India and, and China. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the thing that I found fascinating in, in India, for example, um, is, you know, how they can live with so many people <laughs> together, you know, yeah. in, in, in a very, you know, Uh, limited uh, highly spectrum. densely populated huh? yeah, it's highly densely populated yeah. and if you want to talk about a culture shock uh, I can imagine that people get a culture shock when they go to India um, there's a lot of poverty of course you have mm. a lot of beggars in the street and things like that but on the other hand um, you know you have a, a lot of uh, highly educated people there Yeah, uh, the language You know, the, the official language is, is English, so you can find your way around uh, quite easily there. Um, but, you know, by, by doing one thing that I noticed, if you want to do business there, yeah, that relationships and having a good network is very important. Mm. Um, and you can only actually do business there if you do business through what they call a middleman. You as, uh, you as the, the, the non-Indian Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so and did you have that middleman? Is there you, yeah. is there a story you can attach to that? Yeah. So basically, our company, um, you know, they they pay some middlemen to basically uh, make the, the the connection with with some some companies you want to do business with, and then basically you you start negotiating or you 
make an offer or whatever to a company to do business with through a middleman. So you sit together with a middleman mm -hmm. to do business um, with an Indian company. And because the Indian company, they trust the middleman, the middleman owns the relationship. So it's very important to have that network of middlemen in India. So how, how do you, how do you, can you explain a little bit owns the relationship? How does that work? No, he also meaning that uh, let's say a customer or or would not do business uh, with us with our company mm -hmm. without the middleman. Mm -hmm. So basically, if the middleman walks away and says, "Okay, I'm not rep representing them anymore." then you might be in trouble. Hmm. So that's what I mean that a middleman kind of owns the relationship with the customer. Okay, does, does, that, does that make it um, uh, susceptible to uh, to bribery and stuff like that, of which you hear a lot about in, in, in India? No, it, it's it, it's not bribery. You just pay the middleman. That, that, that's what you do. I mean, pretty straightforward. Yeah, pretty straightforward. He's like a consultant. Mm -hmm. And it's also important to develop a relationship with those middlemen. And as the years, you know, went by, you start developing your own relationships with uh, large companies. So, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I found that very fascinating. Okay, excellent. And and on that note, um, can you pinpoint a specific situation where you were um, really, really proud the way you handled the situation, or where you were actually really, really not proud handling a specific situation? Okay, this, this might be uh, a funny story, the <laughs> handling a situation. Um, I had a, a project for like three to six months in, in China. Uh -huh. And um, one thing in China I, I didn't realize that is that basically most business deals are kind of done at the dinner table. Yeah. So where you, where you develop uh, relationships, where the trust is developed, because... Mm. That's my experience. Chinese people, they don't do business with someone they don't trust, period. Okay, and, and at the dinner table and not during office hours. Yes, so, so what happened, we, um, so, so one other thing about the, the, the dinner table, mm -hmm. if you go and, and let's say have a business dinner, normally there are a lot of people involved. We were, we were with a party of 40 people, so we had different tables, round tables. And then you have uh, a table setting. So you cannot just go and, and choose your own seat mm -hmm. because it, it goes by rank. If you have a high rank, mm -hmm. then you're the host of the table. And they then they will always position you at a certain spot that's the most, let's say, safe spot. So basically with your back, you know, uh, against the wall. So you can oversee the whole restaurant. Oh, physically a safe spot. Yeah, yeah physically a safe spot. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Okay. Uh, that's the person with the highest ranking ranking at, at, at the table and then you know on your left side and on your uh, right side you have people that are in low rank and so forth you know yeah, the, yeah. so that's very interesting and were you and, ever at the head of the table yeah yes I was at one table I was the, the head of the table because of my position and how did that go oh it went very well and basically you know, the head of the table determines when we start to eat, you know. <laughs> Nobody can eat, on the, they have to wait until the head of the table. Okay. And, and, then, yeah. and then it kind of starts, um, then they measure you up. So how much you actually can drink. Oh, okay. oh really? So, oh, alcohol-wise? Yes, alcohol-wise. Uh -huh. They, of course, have this, this Chinese uh, rice wine, you know, that's like 40 or... 
45% alcohol yeah. and these little glasses. And then they, then they say, you know, gambe, uh, meaning bottoms up. Okay. And then everyone comes to you and, and, and whoever comes to you and wants to, you know, do bottoms up, you know, you cannot refuse. And that, that's how they start to measure you up, see if you can hold your liquor. So that was very interesting. I, I, I never thought that Chinese people would drink so much. So. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious to know how this, how this meeting, this story ended. You know, um, I'm not sure. I woke up uh, <laughs> a couple of hours later. <laughs> no, I, I did quite well, uh, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was a good meeting, you know. Mm. We bonded very well and there was a lot of good food. And, you know, and they they, they drink a lot. So that that's, uh, was, a, was kind of a surprise for me. But it, it, it was funny. Yeah. Evidently, very good. And were you briefed on any of this, or or did you did you have to find out these things the hard way? No, I found out you know the hard way actually. So nobody briefed me on this. So okay. So and and in the end, you have you have the 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 feeling, the understanding that it actually went pretty much okay. It went pretty much okay because then the joking starts and 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 yeah. the CEO of the company, you know, he came to me. He said. You're a real man, you know, because you <laughs> your liquor. So, <laughs> so I, I scored some bonus points there. Excellent, very good. And what was what would have been or what was your biggest cultural mistake, um, and what did you learn from that in, in terms of cultural mistake? We make a lot of cultural mistakes. We make a lot of mistakes when we do business interculturally, and most of the mistakes we make we don't even realize. Um, so, was there a mistake that you afterwards you realized like, oops, maybe I should have done that differently? Uh, Not in China know, per se. I mean, in your whole experience in your in your international career. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I have to think about that. So I, I'm I'm not aware that I really made major mistakes uh, or whatever. No, I'm I'm not aware of it. Because, like like I said, I I come from many different you know cultures, if you can call mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was Chinese. I was born in South America. I was raised in True. the Netherlands. I moved moved to the U.S. and I, you know, I traveled the world, went, went to many countries in Asia. So I, I kind of, you know, just just rolled into it. Yeah, yeah. And indeed, maybe coming from from uh, the, to some extent a multicultural environment, uh, your upbringing, uh, the place you were born and where you lived, uh, potentially you benefited from that as well in these in these new situations. That's correct. Yes, yeah. I, I think so. Excellent. All right. Um, excuse me. Currently, you're doing. You're still working for, for that same company. Yes. The that of the the American company, and um, but I think your 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 ambition is some somewhere totally different, right? Um, I have many different uh, many different ambitions. <laughs> if, if you want to talk about anything in specific. I'm not sure where you're referring to, but you can ask about my ambitions. But uh, well, in, in in the 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 lead-in to this uh, this podcast, we had a bit of a conversation about your uh, your political ambitions. If I uh, if I can touch well, on that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you know, uh, uh, my work is in the sustainability area, mm-hmm. looking for solutions for the world to make sure uh, that our children still have a world. To to uh, to enjoy and to live in. Yeah. 
um, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, working on water projects, energy projects, uh, and things like that. And I'm also a member of the Dutch Green Party. Mm-hmm. And I also have some ambitions to kind of, you know, do something in, in politics to make sure that, that um, all the experience and knowledge I have uh, in, the area of, in the area of sustainability can be maybe translated in some political uh, action. Okay. But that, that will be then uh, a solely Dutch affair? Yeah, it will be a solely uh, uh, Dutch affair, okay. yes. Okay. When is your, your next trip and to which country will that be, if there is anything in your agenda penciled in already? Um, probably, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to happen this year, but it's it's on my agenda to go to uh, Botswana mm-hmm. uh, in, in Africa. Yeah. Um, so that is kind of on, on the radar right now. Excellent. Excellent. Well, if there's, if you would call Belgium uh, a foreign country, uh, and that's the country where I live currently, um, please pop in and have a cultural experience here as well. Oh, absolutely. I I, I love the food there, so uh, you know, I, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take that one. Uh. And and soon you'll you'll be here. Who knows? Um, one last question, Antoine, if I may. How can people get in touch with you? How can people reach you? Um, you know, the, the best way to reach me is just to go to my LinkedIn you know, page and, and send me a message or connect with me. And okay. I'll, I'll, put a, I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to your LinkedIn profile uh, with your picture and your, uh, the URL of, the, um, uh, of your LinkedIn profile as it is currently uh, mentioned so people get in touch with you directly. Okay. And then also, uh, you know, please follow me on Twitter. So I have many stories to tell. So, what's your Twitter Twitter handle? Uh, it's just the Antoine Duel. So A N T O I N D E U L. Yes, that's correct. Okay, Antoine, can I thank you very, very much for um, your insights, your time, and sharing your uh, your stories and your personal stories on the second po- podcast, the Culture Matters podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, uh, Chris. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Culture Matters podcast and the interview I had with Antoine Deul. Finally, as a last note in this show, I'd like to point you in the direction of my ebook, which has recently been published. You can download it um, when you go to www.culturematters.com slash ebook. Go to culturematters.com slash ebook. And I'll hope you'll join me on the third episode, which will be available in two weeks. Thanks. Bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. 